You're listening to Voices of Value, a selection of valuable insights designed to help you get more out of your professional and personal life through simple and easy-to-adopt life lessons. If you're keen to enjoy a better quality of life at work and at home, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton. Voices of Value, Episode 9, straight from the set, from the block, is my co-compare and very good friend, Peter Kakos. Peter, uh, welcome back to the land of reality after the land of TV. Thanks, Rick. It's uh, it's great to be back. i got to say it's uh, such a whirlwind of a, uh, of a process is the block. It's our second one now, and uh, it's amazing. I think the thing that we need to realise, though, it is a reality TV sure. show, so yep. um, what you see and how it gets edited is uh, is a lot of times quite different to how it all plays out. So, look, we were pleased. Our contestants won three hundred thousand last time I checked. Uh, three hundred thousand dollars to win on a yep. on a game show, shall I say, or yep. a reality TV show is uh, is certainly no mean feat. But the thing that um, that really was quite interesting, and, and I think most viewers who watched the block would have seen this on the last episode, is Nicola from Domain, the analyst there, talk about that the Melbourne market has gone into its fastest downturn ever. Yeah, wow. So it's 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 this big shock, I think. I think a lot of people out there are in in, in shock of, of how quickly it's happened. Mm. I think I think there's in real estate, and certainly when you're in real estate for twenty five odd years, you see the ups and downs and the cycles. But the fact that the cycle or this downturn has happened at such a rate of knots, I think it's left a lot of people like, "Wow, like what happened? Like mm. where, where did where did they go?" Mm. You know, and I've <laughs> I've encouraged our team uh, to read the book uh, "Who Moved My Cheese." Yes, I think that's a that's a great. Um, I think that's a recommendation straight off the bat for for people out there to read that book. It's a nice, simple, easy read. But all of a sudden, the buyers have dried up. But uh, clearance rates are down. They're down to about sort of 48, 49, 50 percent. Yep. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is stock levels are down as well, mm. which uh, I think if we delve into that, stock levels down, clearance is down, uh, that's significant. You know, well, I think part fronts. of that's to do with the block in some respects. People go, yeah, if I move home, I'm going to lose a lot in commission. I'm going to lose a lot in paying stamp duty if I make a move. If I like the area, if I like the suburb, maybe I'll put that into a renovation budget. So shows like the block and other reality TV programs have sort of maybe maybe taken some of that market away from us to a degree. I'm not too sure. But one of the things I think in this sort of market is it's almost any agent who's been around for a while almost needs to think about you know, selling their own home every second or third year just to get a feel for what it's like from the inside out. Because I know you've been very, uh, very good at lining up both Bianca and Carla for us to have a, a chat on this particular podcast to get a sense from mm. how did they feel sitting on the other side of the fence. We're broadcasting to a lot of our subscribers who are real estate agents and obviously we understand the process. But for someone who's going through the process as a consumer in this market, the shifting market, you know, it's all about how are they receiving the information that we're giving them about the fact. I mean, that was pretty brutal to have a lady sit up front and say, look, the reality is probably two out of four of you won't sell today yeah now <laughs> even more so brutal when you get handed a uh, a significantly high reserve as well yeah and uh despite market downturns and so forth those reserves were full yeah like well ours was well and truly yeah uh 2.7 million for 192 square meter uh penthouse and what probably people didn't see and they from the show it's like oh the penthouse the penthouse the high ceilings and so forth we were about 60 odd square meters yes yeah. Uh, smaller than than anyone else. Yeah. Um, the two penthouses that that is were about sixty odd square meters smaller. And it's interesting, even if you work it out on a ten thousand dollars a square, that's a significant sort of amount of money. So yeah, you've got the ceilings, you've got yeah. the the views, but not everyone wants that. And uh, and 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 they they basically 
size attracts them more than mm. it did in this sort of case here. However, having said that, it did it did well and everyone made money. The couple that won was uh, somewhat of a little bit of a surprise <laughs> uh, for for a number of reasons. But it also went to show uh, to to see that the order was was significant to us. Yeah. It was significant, and I fought hard for that yeah. with the girls um, to get the right order because I believe. We needed well and truly as much momentum as we possibly could because yep. we knew that we were a little bit shallow yep. in terms of buyers compared to the the old Gatwick, the downstairs. Yep. Yep. So that played a factor as well. Yep. But look, we um, it is what it is and uh, it is a TV show. But gee, it, it, it is a lot of fun and you, you have some wonderful connections along the way. Yeah, and it, it is a TV reality show but the money's still bankable. And so I know mm-hmm. that Bianca and Carla are certainly happy with that and uh, you know there's lots we could talk about from that standpoint. But the reality is, the show highlighted that despite the fact that the market has turned, if you present a property properly, if you take it to the marketplace and give the consumers all the information, transactions can happen. And Pete, someone who knows how to work in tough markets, in fact, has been doing it for the better part of 35 years across the USA, Canada, South America, South Africa, the UK, Australia, New Zealand. And someone who's coming direct to your device today in a two-part series is our second interviewee in our Voices of Value series. He's one of the world's leading real estate educators in David Knox. David is about to jump on a plane in the next few hours to head up to Boston to attend another National Association of Realtors convention, which he's been doing for the past three decades, always rates incredibly highly there. So this is a man who understands tough markets, understands how to operate in tough markets and what to do in relation to being successful in tough markets. As I welcome to Voices of Value, my good friend, David Knox. David, thank you so much for being a part of today's program. Thank you, Rick. It is it's a pleasure to do anything for you. You have been a great supporter of mine for years. Peter, I appreciate being part of all of this. And uh, Rick, congratulations on your book. Uh, I just think it's wonderful and all the praise is well deserved. So glad to hear all that. Well, thank you, my friend. And of course, I was saying to Peter last night, you know, I can remember exactly the first meeting we had. It was in August of 1997. It was at the Leonda by the Yarra. You had, you had, Yolanda by the Yarra, yes, that's I remember. It. You had come in from the US. You were on an REA sort of tour, Real Estate Institute of Australia tour, and uh, I sat front row in your audience. Uh, the topic was how to negotiate in tough times, and I thought that was very relevant 20, what, nearly 22 years ago now, I guess, but uh, it was amazing to sort of sit there, listen to your scripts and dialogues, but more importantly, just listen to your natural way of strategically helping consumers make better decisions. It seems to be the platform of your whole teaching. Well, good. Well, thank you very much, Rick, and it sounds like your market's taken a turn, and I have been through three or if not four of these markets, and every time it's the same thing. Everybody goes, oh my gosh, the world is going to end, and everybody gets so scared and it's just crazy to watch it happen. But, you know, out of respect for that, yeah, when the markets turn, uh, it can be kind of a scary thing. And uh, I remember one of the questions I asked audiences back well, the last time our market crashed is, if you thought the market was going to stay this way for the rest of your career, what would you do? And if the answer is, oh, gosh, I'd get out, then my answer is, then get out. Uh, because I think you, you've got to treat this market and accept this is the way it is for a while. You know, it's 50% clearance rates are down. And uh, if that's what it is, that's what it is. But here is one of the most wonderful saving graces of this, and people forget about it. But when the market goes down by 30, 40, 50% or whatever it is, most agents are scared to death. Most of them suck anyway. They're not even in here on a good market. And when a, quote, bad market comes along, they disappear. So the number of agents actually competing against you goes down by 
certainly greater than 50%, maybe 60 or 70. So if you take the reduced available business and you divide it by the reduced number of agents, the per capita business actually goes up. And I know a lot of agents here that are kind of happy about a slow, because our market's starting to turn too. So there's, you've got to remember that, that your per unit, um, per capita stuff goes up a little bit. So you'll win that way. But also when a market turns like this and everything's been coming to you, I kind of drew a triangle with three words on it, time, money, and efficiency. So if you go through a market that's challenging and you want to work exactly the same number of hours doing exactly the same thing you did before, your income's going to go down. And for some people, they say, you know what? I don't want to work any harder. Uh, um, I just want my life as it is, and I'll accept the lower income in a changing market. Other people might say, no, 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 no. I've got to maintain my income. Well, in that case, you're going to have to work whatever, 10, 20, 30% more, more hours and work longer to maintain that same income or in a perfect world, if you want to have the same income with the same amount of time, then you're going to have to increase your efficiency. And that gets into really, really, really targeted prospecting. And there's a lot of buyers out there in a market like this that will suck your will to live. <laughs> but you've got to make sure that you're with the sellers who really want to sell and buyers who really want to buy. Um, a couple of other things to keep in mind uh, in a market like this. This is good for first-time buyers. So for those of you who want to help those uh, very first time buyers come out of uh, a rental situation and then ownership. This is a good time to introduce them to real estate. Now they're not the most profitable buyers, but they are the most grateful buyers. And within the group of buyers, uh, one of the things that we found over the years is that there's always the bargain hunters. You know, they want to just steal the place. And my answer to that say, well, we're waiting for the market to bottom or we're waiting for bargains. At some point, it has to be about having a place to live. Yeah. It can't be just about the money. Yeah. If you're dealing with buyers whose sole purpose in life is to buy at that molecular perfect bottom of the market, so God forbid they don't pay $4 more than they have to, these are not the kind of buyers that are any fun to work with. They're never going to hit the bottom. You're never going to win with them. So do not work with solely money-motivated buyers. Work with buyers who want to get a fourth bedroom for their new baby. Somebody who has to downsize to a condo, who truly wants to move from Melbourne to Perth or what, whatever. I mean, they've, they've, got, they've still got to have a reason to move. And if it's only about the money, I promise you, you will hate this business. You'll hate yourself. So back to my comment about efficiency, you've got to get focused on real motivated buyers, real motivated sellers, because they're still out there. I don't care how bad a market is. There is still a market. Maybe it's down 5%, 10%, whatever it is. There is a market. Now, if the day comes where there is zero market, then, I don't know, I guess it's time to sell boats to do something else. <laughs> you know, if you know how to sell, you'll figure out how to do something. So the next thing that happens in a market like this is the, the prospect flow changes. Up until now, prospects probably came to you, and you could sit back and relax, and they came to you, and they called, and it was wonderful. They showed up at open homes, they called, whatever they did, and now all of a sudden, man, that just dried up. The phone stops ringing, and it's like that movie, The Day the Earth Stood Still. And if you maintain that posture sitting by your phone and hoping somebody's going to call, um, hope is not a plan. <laughs> you know, it's, so the hard part about it is that we come out of this easy, they come to us and all of a sudden, oh no, you mean I've got to go to them? And for some people that's painful. And if it's really painful, I go back to my opening comment. If this is the way the market's going to be and you're not happy with that, you know, maybe this isn't the market for you. I mean, not everybody has to be a real estate agent. 
Sure. Another thing that happens in a market like this is, oh, there's so much bad press out there. Oh, man, the press is killing us. They're writing about how tough it is. Remember this. There's so much. There's no such thing as bad press. It's either seller press or buyer press. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great point, and I think you, you're really giving us some three key areas to think about. It's all choice time. No one puts a gun to your head and says you've got to be in professional sales. If the market turns, it's only asking, are you good enough right now to get a little bit better at what you do because you have to be more proactive now than reactive, and you talked about you know, making some better choices, and I think the way that I see uh, the market going now, and I think Peter will agree, it's all about how you qualify the prospect, most importantly, Pete. Well, it's sounding like, David, the, the qualification process that you go through is uh, is more important than ever to make sure you are spending the right time with the right people. Absolutely. And uh, and Rick and I have both spent, uh, had dinner with our favorite uh, mentor who has sadly passed away, Jim Rohn, who one of my favorite quotes is, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So and one of the other I things that, uh, and, and the other thing, David, that you know, Mr. Rohn always talked about is you cannot afford to spend major time with minor prospects. You've got to make sure that you're investing your right time in the right areas. And that gets back to let's find the buyers who do want to make an emotive move, not an economic move. Because as we all know, we know when the market bottomed about three months after it actually happened. So it's very hard to time the market. It's all about time in the market. So if it's a family that wants to upscale, get closer to a school that they want to educate their children long-term in, are moving because of work commitments, these are the buyers we need to spend more time with, correct? Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're driving, when your car breaks down, you don't really care what the automotive market is. When you buy a new car, you got to get a new car. I mean, it's, that's it. Your lease is up. It's broke. It's, you got to do it. So you need to be really, really careful in finding those, which leads to my next um presentation, I have been talking with agents for a long time and say there's two categories in which you can spend your time, familiarity or direct prospecting. And uh, a great book on this was written by uh, Jeb Blunt called Fanatical Prospecting. He really reminded me of these fundamental principles. So by the way, that's a great book, Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt, B-L-O-U-N-T. And a lot of people spend time in familiarity. What that means is emailing, postcards, uh, billboards, bus benches, social media, all that one-way stuff. It, you spend a lot of money on it. You spend a lot of time on it. And at the end of the day, you go, yeah, I was really busy. Yeah, that's a ticket. I was really busy. <laughs> and you can satisfy yourself that you were busy. But the question is, did you talk to another human being that could have bought or sold real estate? And the answer is no. And why do we stay in familiarity? It's safe. There's no rejection. You don't have to talk to anybody, and you can have this false sense of you're doing something. But at the peak of the pyramid, if the base of this pyramid is familiarity, the next part of this up would be direct prospecting. And that is face-to-face, phone-to-phone, face-to-face, phone-to-phone. So a question I would ask a real estate agent, how do you know if you're in the real estate business? Um, question I would ask is, do you have a listing appointment? Do you have showing setup? If the answer is no, you're not in the real estate business. So the question is, where and how are you going to get a listing appointment? Where are you going to get these appointments? The answer is, you've got to talk to another human being. And... And a lot of those are old school. Some of the stuff that works the best in this business often gets called old school. And I don't like the pejorative term old school. Old school is old because it still works. That's why it's old. And opening a door for a lady is old school, but I think people like it. Sending a handwritten thank you note to somebody or a birthday card is old school. People like it. I mean, how many people frame a birthday email? It just doesn't happen. So some of the old school stuff that works... uh, yeah, for, for sale by owners, I still believe. Uh, yeah, of course, it really depends on the market. It doesn't work everywhere, but 
for sale by owners, private sales, as you may call them there. I mean, I would certainly work those expireds, expiries, whatever you call them, may work. Open homes. It, you got to, you know, fish where the fish are, go where the people are. And I think, and, you know, again, without jumping back onto the Jim Rohn bandwagon, David, it's really very much aware, again, one of his fundamentals is there are no new fundamentals. You know, fundamentals are old. They're antiquity. They've been around for a long time because they work, for goodness sake. So it's about yeah. that sort of ability to to maybe get back. And, and often in markets like these that we head into where it's come off a bit, Agents who have been in it for some time, they often go, gee, we stopped doing a few things and now we realize why we stopped doing them because the market changed. If we start doing those things again, we'll probably get those leads coming in and it's some of those activities that they just haven't been doing for the last two or three years because the market's been so strong. David, just uh, just quickly, David, the um, the Melbourne market here has just uh, gone through its fastest ever downturn. So it has actually come off really, really quickly. And so I think a lot of people are a little bit punch drunk. And because things were going along so swimmingly and the, the, the prices were just going up at a rate of knots. And, and I think agents could stand at a door in an open home and um, with a bucket and people would just throw their, their card in and see them on auction day and everything would go. So people really didn't have to work I would say terribly hard for things to happen and now it's come off at a rate of knots and everyone's like, wow, where do I turn? Where do I turn? It's a bit like who moved my cheese? Well, yeah, as I said, you're either going to, if you're going to maintain your your current level of uh, behavior, your income is going to go down. So if you don't want that to happen, you're going to have to rise, raise your level of behavior. And, you know, if I don't know which techniques works the best in your market, sale by owners, fired open house, but I do know one technique that absolutely works everywhere in every market and every industry and that's getting back to your sphere of influence, your CRM, your database, you know, whatever you call it. It's the fundamental thing. People, you know, people who know you. And and this isn't a market. If they're not coming to you, you've got to go to them. In fact, the irony of it is when the market goes like this, a lot of the technology stops working because nobody's calling or clicking or searching because they're gone. So uh, that's when the old school ways work better. So. For sure, I mean, I don't know what it is in the in in Australia, but in the U.S., 80% of all commission incomes generated came from sphere of influence, fast customers, clients, repeat business. So based on that, in a market like this, you want to get on the phone and call everybody you know. And one of the messages has to be, I'm calling you with great news, man. If you guys have ever, ever considered purchasing or buying up to the next highest, man, your time is here. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but our stock market has been going down, you know, every single day now. I don't know. It was up at 27,000. It's now down at the 24,000. So I just, I just sent a big chunk of dough over to my stockbroker and I said, Hey, let's buy some Netflix. It's way down. Let's buy some Apple. So the time to buy is when the market's down. But when I talk to people at calling a sphere of influence, most people resist it. Oh, I don't want to ask for business. I don't want to interrupt them. I don't want to bother them. And everybody's got their excuse for not calling it. So I'm going to give you two words, two words that every single person listening to this podcast will be happy to do on a phone call and the recipient will be happy to get it. It's a hundred percent flat out guarantee. The word number one is thank. Nobody doesn't like to be thanked for things. So get on the phone and call your past customers and clients and thank them for the business that they created for you. Uh, if it's referrals, you can thank them for the referral. Thanks for listing. Thanks for selling. Thanks for whatever. So you absolutely owe it to your past customers and clients to call them up and thank them for that. Now, the question is, do you turn it into a business phone call? That's up to you. A lot of people say, well, if, I, if it's really going to be um, 
have integrity. I should call them and thank them and just be done with that. And, and I might agree with that. But you know what? They may turn it into a business call. They might say, hey, thanks for calling. Yeah, it was a pleasure working with you. Thanks a lot for your time. Um, by the way, how is the market going? I hear all these news reports that the market's crashing and it's down and the world's going to end and there's nuclear explosions blowing up all the, you know, whatever. And you say, you know what? It's true. Uh, the market has dropped off by whatever percent. And, um, you know, it's cyclical. Real estate is cyclical. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. It's done that for a billion years. It will continue to do so. Right now it's gone down. But then again, for people who are thinking about buying or moving up, this is a wonderful time. Now, if they're in their last home, they're kind of screwed. But um, but for everybody else, it's a good time to buy. So they may turn it into a phone call or into a prospecting call. The second word that absolutely you will be happy to use on a phone call and people will be absolutely happy to receive it is invite. Invite them to something. Everybody loves invitations. They, they feel good that they got invited to something. Of course, the, the question on this is to what do I invite them? What is the something? And that, and that leads into event marketing. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but you know, it can be as simple as inviting your friends down to a local bar, restaurant, first round is on me, come on out and see me. Or maybe you're going to have a seminar on how bad is the market really come and learn. Or it could be uh, here in the U.S. we're coming up on, you know, well, you guys too, I think Halloween, you know, have a pumpkin party or Thanksgiving or Christmas. There's a lot of different things that you can do, put on a company event where you get face-to-face, phone-to-phone. Get out from behind the social media and actually get social. So thanking, inviting. And then, of course, the third thing, which pretty much falls into more business, and that's informing. You can call people up and say, by the way, um, you know, in my effort to keep you guys informed of the real estate market, I just want to call and let you know market's done something that we haven't seen happen in Australia for quite some time. I want to see if you'd like to hear about it and and do that. So, But if you don't call, then you'll never be able to uh, you know, convert them into any kind of business. And I also want to give you some key questions that you need to be asking all the time. In fact, I highly recommend, uh, you know, you print it out, put it on the back of your mobile device case on your phone. Question number one for listing that you can ask everybody, anywhere, anytime, phone, click, call, email. I don't care how you do it. But here's, and it's a simple question. And the question is simply this. It's an open question. It's time-based. And the question is, Hey, how much longer do you guys plan to stay in your current home? You can run into somebody up in the grocery store. Hey, Jim, how you doing? What's going on? How are the kids? By the way, you guys still over on Ivy Avenue? Gosh, yeah, that's great. How much longer do you think you'll be there? And the answer to that question is your predictive analytics is when they might move. So that's a question. It's kind. It's gentle. It's not really a salesy question. You can ask it any time. The second question is for buyers. And it is the number one and only question I really care about for buyers whether they call, they click, they write, they email, they come to an open house. I don't care how you run into a buyer. I don't care if they're working with an agent. I don't care how many bedrooms or bathrooms or price. I don't care if they've been financially qualified. None of that stuff matters. It falls into the minor things category. The question I want to ask is, how soon would you guys like to be sent? Ideally, when would you like to be in your home? Time-based question. When do you want to buy? And if the answer is, ah, yeah, we're thinking of the next, uh, you know, three, four, five years. Great. Take a look around Melbourne. In fact, why don't you head over to Darwin? Then go out to Perth. You let me know. You know. So, and then the third question is a referral question. And this is a sales question. And it probably needs to be asked with rapport, with trust, with people with whom you have a good relationship, or just come out and, you know, let them know you need some help. And that question is, of all of your friends, who do you think would be the next to move? 
it replaces the horrible question, do you know if anybody's going to move? Because that's a closed question. So of all your friends or of all your neighbors, you know, who do you think would be the next to move? So those three questions are powerful. They'll put money in the bank. But of course, you have to be talking face-to-face, phone-to-phone. Uh, love it. Love it. The work. Some brilliant strategies there, David. One thing I'd like to know is I'm, I'm talking a lot to agents at the moment about sort of the sacrifices that need to be made in a market like this and the, the little things you need to be doing. It's not just necessarily about dialogue and the things you need to be saying, but the things you need to be doing. What are you finding from agents over there? You, you said that things are starting to shift a little bit over there. What would you be you know, advising? What are the sacrifices you need to make or what are the what are the non-negotiables that, uh, that, that, that need to be done on a day-to-day basis? You mean with their buyers and sellers? I just think in terms of their, in terms of their life, like are people adjusting their lifestyles? Uh, and and that's, that, that's pretty typical sort of around here in, in the Australian market is now that, now that things are getting tougher – they need to go back to the well. And, and I love the sphere of influence and so forth. So I think a lot of sacrifices sort of now need to be made because they were living a lifestyle that perhaps was based on a great market. Now with things tightening up, lifestyle sort of choices, I think, need to be, um, need to be shifted a little bit. Is there anything from a, from a personal sort of point of view or what you're seeing or what you're speaking with some of the agents you're coaching and speaking to of what well, are they actually my- that's my opening comment about that kind of the three point triangle, you know, time, money, and efficiency. And, uh, you know, if you've been having a lavish lifestyle and, you know, life is good, you're spending some money, um, you know, maybe you don't want to sacrifice that. You know, when our market crashed here in 2008, I was one payroll away from going out of business. I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sacrifice that. So I worked my butt off hard and created an online training program. And I was working, I don't know how many hours, but it, it, you know, it was really painful year after year after year, but finally got it. So, so one option is to maintain that lavish lifestyle, but you're going to have to work. You're going to have to work more hours, make more calls. Now, if you want to not spend any more time in the business then yeah, you got to cut your income. So that, I mean, that's the choice you make. And uh, I guess that's up to everybody. Um, <laughs> Frankly, I think if your idea, if, if your thought is, hey, how do I cut my cost of living? Um, I think you're already in that mental uh, cesspool that's going to suck you down to making no money. I mean, that's kind of a depression age thinking. Now, obviously, you don't want to be stupid. So you want to take a look at your expenditures, see if anything's out of hand. But other than that, if you've got a good lifestyle and you want to maintain it, then just make more calls to more people. I, it, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that, that's perfect. that was my answer. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think, um, and, and the other thing, the last thing that oh, I just want to ask you on, on, on this session here is around new agents and, and, and the strategies that they need because, you know, when I, when I say new, I might only be talking about sort of two or three or four years because they haven't seen a market like this so they don't know what to expect or they don't have a sphere of influence. They haven't got that built-up sort of database as yet. What, what are some of the things and, and, and strategies uh, that you're sort of alluding to there that, that, say, a new agent or someone newer to the business could be doing? Well, a couple of things. First of all, agents who are new to a market like this don't know any other market. They just think that's the way it is, and they often do better than the experienced agents because the experienced agents go, oh, I remember when. I remember it was it easy. I remember this. I remember that. And those are the ones that have a tough time in a market like this. Uh, the agents who come into it, they don't know any better. This is just the way it is. They know how much money they have, have to make. So they just keep working until they make it. So that's number one. Number two, on a sphere of influence, number 
being new doesn't mean you don't have a sphere of influence. You may not have past customers or clients, but you've got a sphere of influence. And if you do, then you can tap it the way I'm talking about. Now, if you're new and you have no sphere of influence, it's axiomatic. You're going to have to work with people you don't know. So where do you meet people you don't know? Event marketing, open house for sale by owner, expired listings, knocking on doors, you know, some of that old school stuff. Or if you want to do it purely through familiarity and marketing, you're going to have to spend lots and lots and lots of money uh, to get enough familiarity for, the, for them to come to you. Mm. And that's a very good point. In terms of just wrapping up now, I mean, one of the things I know about you, because I've got the great fortune of having these sort of sessions with you as out of friendship. I mean, you know, I've been fortunate to have these discussions with you first thing in the morning in your spa with a cup of coffee uh, in Palm <laughs> Springs. And I've, we've chatted at, at, at late at night as well about concepts. And the thing that all of our listeners and subscribers need to know is this is stuff that you've not just talked the talk on for more than three and a half decades. It's stuff you've walked the walk on as well. And I just love that concept. Oh, about, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I just love no, that I've concept. Been, I've been down the path. Literally, I, was, I had a $300,000 line of credit. Uh, I was one payroll away from shutting down my business. I had to lay off about three or four or five people, get rid of a bunch of office space. So back to your early point, yes, do you do some financial adjustments? Yeah, you get rid of stuff that's absolutely not contributing to your life or your business. But after that, I didn't want to go out of bed. In fact, I actually talked to my wife at the time and said, are we done? And she said, do you want to be done? I said, uh, not really. And uh, I said, well, what are we going to do? And we just had to do a complete reinvention. So, uh, you know, those are the choices we make, and they're not easy. Um, but, you know, like we've learned, it's not about being easy. It's about being successful. Absolutely. Now, I can talk about, uh, you know, working with buyers sellers pricing and some things like that if we have time i don't know whether we do that in part two or you want to continue on it well we'll we'll definitely do that uh, i think there's so much content we'll do that in a second part interview if that's okay with you and we'd love to do that uh, with you in our next episode but just in wrapping up now i love the concept about you know simply asking questions how long do you intend to stay in your current home uh, to, a, to a seller, how soon do you want to be moved to a buyer? And most importantly, of all your friends, family, people you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, who would next be likely to be making a move? They are three simple dialogues, but as you say, they're, yeah, they're, they're very easy to do. Yeah. And as again, again, the great Jim Rohn would say, easy not to do, but you know, we know if you do them, they're, yeah. they're probably going to create some production, right? And what a great way to avoid uh, phone yeah. call procrastination uh, to get on there and just think I'm either going to thank, invite, or inform. Yeah, How right. Does that? <laughs> as simple as so. So, David, just for our listeners, again, I know you 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 uh, will be speaking at the largest real estate conference in the world, which you've been doing now for more than three decades. A lot of your content is downloadable. All you have to do is go onto davidknox.com. We have free trials. Uh, for online consumer videos like pricing home to sell, preparing home to sell, we have free trials on that. And for our online uh, video training library, which is kind of like the Netflix of real estate, we have free trials on that. So if anybody's a broker, owner, manager, uh, wants online video training, they can check that out. And for agents, they can use our consumer videos you know, for prospecting and lead generation. Well, I know agents across Australasia that have been sitting front row in your seminars, whether it be like I did at a workshop, whether it be at Arik where you were, you know, part of those early days of Arik where to this day you're still one of the most highly regarded and highly rated real estate speaker trainers in Eric's 21-year history. So we, we love the concept that we've got this opportunity to share with our subscribers the absolute wealth of wisdom and knowledge that is you. You are an incredible trainer and 
outstanding educator and I absolutely believe that any agent who can expose themselves to your teachings, their incomes will go up by default almost despite them. So anyone listening now who has the ability to click on to davidknox.com, very simplistically click on. There is some free trial available there. There is a lot of information there. More specifically, if you're a business owner, as I know uh, some of my colleagues in Australia are, they actually have their whole yearly training module done by just clicking on to David's stuff and just subscribing. It's very easy to do and the absolute return on that investment is amazing. So David, on behalf of all of our subscribers here at Voices of Value, it is a new project, as you know, you are our second interviewee to be brutally candid. So we want to go top drawer all the way through uh, with our guests and you certainly are at the very top drawer of that, my friend. So again, thank you so much for making the time to be a part of this, knowing that you're about to fly out tomorrow uh, to speak at the largest real estate conference in the world and, and I know Peter shares the same sort of belief that we are very very fortunate to have you incredibly well, thank you David thank you very much pleasure to work with you guys we trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value a shared conversation between Rick Rushton and Peter Kakos. their views are not necessarily those of the wider world but they should be If you're keen to enhance the quality of your life even further in the future, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source. Our website is voicesofvaluepodcast.com, and we welcome both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice, and the value-added way.